Make the Best of It, or Fairy Gifts, by Anna Cora Mawit Ritchie. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kelly Taylor Making the Best of It The chamber was large and luxurious. The first rays of morning stole through the window curtains of rose-colored silk and diffused an auroral hue over draperies of finely wrought lace that canopied over the bed, where a youthful mother reposed in that pleasant state of dreamy consciousness when the mind hovers delightfully between waking and slumber. The flushed cheek of the sleeping boy was pressed to her own. A fair-featured girl nestled closely on the other side. In the richly decorated cradle, standing near the couch, slumbered a babe, a very pearl in its velvet casket. So, at least, the young Cornelia thought, for she often styled these three precious human gems, worn with happy pride upon her maternal bosom, her diamond, her ruby, her pearl. Few steps had she yet taken upon the journey of life, so few the waves of time had not rolled far back into the past the days when she had given credence to the existence of those diminutive good people called fairies, and now, in her semi-somnambulance, the half-forgotten faith washed the shores of memory again, and she murmured dreamily, Oh, if some fairy would bestow upon them each a wondrous gift! Scarcely had she spoken, when the rose-light that tinted every object in the room changed to a mellower dye prismatic hues flashed fitfully through the golden radiance gradually forming themselves into a rainbow of marvellous vividness and as the mother steadfastly gazed beneath the resplendent arch a form seemed fashioned of moonlight became visible the aerial shape was clad in an amethyst robe its unbound tresses rolled like a mantle of molten amber, down to the shining feet. Its luminous brow was crowned with a chaplet of lilies. Each lily was a living opal. Never had Cornelia beheld a countenance so touching, indescribably lovely in its holy tenderness. As it bent over her, the violet iris emitted soft rays which penetrated into her breast and warmed and gladdened her heart while she contemplated the celestial presence in joyful amazement a voice like the sound of zephyrs sweeping over an aeolian harp charmed her ear it said your wish is granted i am sent to accord one gift to each of these sweet slumberers raptures rendered the mother speechless speak "'What would you choose?' asked the unearthly visitant. Then the mother's eyes, which had been riveted upon that beautiful apparition, turned to the boy, her eldest-born, the diamond among her jewels, and, 
laying her hand fondly upon his forehead she smoothed back the tangled locks from his high intellectual brow even at that light touch he started his arms were tossed above his head his attitude expressed disquiet his color deepened then paled again his lips moved inaudibly he possessed a nervous ardent temperament it was easy to divine give him genius great genius she muttered fondly what a delicious perfume stole through the chamber it was the fairy's soundless sigh ronald shall have genius she answered what gift shall you bestow upon your daughter the mother gazed tenderly upon the little maiden slumbering at her side the ruby of our carcanet long black lashes swept over the blooming cheek of her child dark clustering ringlets waved in shining luxuriance about her snowy temples and throat a half-smile parted the exquisite mouth the delicate outline of a symmetrical form was visible through the white raiment she will be a woman give her beauty great beauty said the mother enthusiastically cynthia shall have beauty replied the fairy and this time her sigh was like the moan of a gentle breeze and again her breath loaded the air with fragrance like the aroma of a crushed flower and what gift will you bestow upon this pearl of purity she asked gliding noiselessly towards the cradle love unutterable beamed from the mother's eyes when they rested upon that snowdrop of infancy as she hesitated and pondered the fairy said softly you have gifted the others leave the choice of her gift to me oh gladly replied the mother but let it not be inferior to theirs my gift to little viola responded the fairy is the sweet faculty of making the best of everything through life of trials and suffering as of pleasures and triumphs she shall make the best the mother half started from her pillow with an exclamation of disappointment and remonstrance but the golden light faded and the flugent rainbow vanished and the unsubstantial form melted away the roseate dye reflected from the silken curtains pervaded the room as before cornelia was half inclined to believe that she had slept and the sudden movement had awakened her from a delicious dream time passed in a few years ronald began to be regarded as a prodigy his talents excited general wonder and admiration he drew and painted with surprising ease his musical powers seemed a sort of instinct he was a natural poet too and verse flowed spontaneously from his lips or pen every emanation of his young mind bore the insignia of genius and loud prognostics of future celebrity were constantly trumpeted in his ears but his brain was taxed to the exhaustion of his vital powers and his health grew feeble he was morbidly sensitive untranquil unsatisfied thickly ruled by the feeling of the moment impulse was his guide inclination his law when the task he was connected with ardor began to weary he threw it aside 
he performed on several instruments but chiefly by ear instruction bored him he could not rein down his high-soaring genius with the needful curbs of arbitrary rule now and then he made a feeble effort to acquire skill and correctness but was quickly overcome by fatigue and often left the instrument in disgust the necessity for application always disheartened him he commenced with great enthusiasm sketches that gave great promise but seldom finished even the best the mood soon passed away he said and he could not work when the spirit was not upon him he could not force his will nor conquer his indolence so with his poem he dashed them off rapidly in a species of poetic furor but the gem-like thoughts scattered carelessly through these rude inspirations needed polish to bring out their lustre and he could not tone down condense elaborate thus his fatal faculty prevented his ever reaching high excellence not less remarkable nor less attractive was cynthia though her extraordinary beauty a beauty that shone forth not merely in her faultless lineaments her superb dark eyes the wealth of her abundant tresses her statuesque form but that seemed to permeate her whole being with an unportrayable witchery a captivating elf-like piquancy heightened by her capricious variability of mood by the restless grace which resembled that of a humming-bird fluttering its gorgeous pinions before the dazzled vision when she was pleased what a laughing sprite she seemed and who was able to resist her winsome wiles but alas she was very easily displeased and frowns gave an impish character to her chiselled features though strange to say without destroying their beauty yet one thing did seriously impair her charms and that was her own evident consciousness of their power her disposition under ordinary circumstances would have been good and her abilities excellent but perpetual flattery weakened her intellect and rendered her temper capacious she experienced an insatiable craving for adulation and was listless and dispirited if by chance the unwholesome food were withheld if she encountered any difficulties in the pursuit of a desired object she was quickly discouraged and without the faintest struggle to conquer the obstacle weakly worried and wept over its existence she could not endure disappointment in any shape if a party of pleasure happened to be broken up by the rain she conducted herself as though she were convinced the weather had been ordered expressly for her annoyance and fretted all day at the unsuitableness of the atmospheric decree if she chanced to be engaged upon a piece of sewing embroidery or knitting that pleased her and her thread got knotted or she took a wrong stitch or was forced to rip it out or dropped her knitting needles she grew vexed and pouted and felt persecuted by some invisible agency and was miserable for hours even at her toilette when she was contemplating with only too much complacency her fair visage in the mirror if the glossy hair she was braiding became tangled or she found an unlucky rent in some of her clothing or a disfiguring spot upon her dress 
all her sunshine was gone. Ill-humor took possession of her. She was too much out of sorts to partake of the anticipated enjoyment, and unresistedly yielded herself up to the blue devils, who always seemed lying in wait to entrap her. Little Viola was regarded, by casual observers, as a far more ordinary child than her brother or sister. She was intelligent, but by no means precocious. She had acquired by industry and perseverance, not by intuition. In place of striking beauty, she possessed an eminent degree, the loveliness of innocence and placid contentment, of glowing health, and a gloriously developed physique, strong and untainted by her pure spirit. The more thoughtful gazer noted the softness of her deep blue eyes, the serene yet earnest expression of her mild countenance, the happy smile that ever lingered about her rosy mouth, and could not fail to remark that although she lacked the perfect grace of Cynthia's airy, undulating motions, all her movements were purposeful, as though some bright goal to be reached was ever in view. Her light, dancing step seemed the rebound of her leaping heart, her gay laughter, the echo of her joyous soul, her melodious voice, the vibration of harmonious chords within. Although no one called little Viola wondrously gifted, as they did her brother, or marvelously beautiful, as they did her sister, yet, little by little, all who knew her received the impression that she was endowed with some nameless gift that took the place of, or rather, that surpassed talent, some gift that conveyed a sense of superlative beauty. Viola set about every undertaking with cheerful zeal and pursued it with unwearied steadiness. When a difficulty arose, she paused good-humoredly, carefully examined into the nature of the obstacle, threw all her might in an effort to overcome it, and, if no remedy could be found, half warbling her cheerful byphrase, make the best of it, she sought out a way by which the evil might be endured. When she was deprived of an anticipated pleasure, she philosophically endeavored to substitute another within her reach. A book, some pleasant employment, arranging pressed flowers in her herbarium, adding to her scrapbook, learning a song, sketching a new picture, invariably neutralized the spirit-dampening effects of the unwelcome rain. In short, she accommodated herself to circumstances with such a skillful adaptation, made the best of the inevitable with such cheerful tact, that no passing event inconvenienced her, no chance disappointment disturbed her equanimity. As she grew older, she astonished her parents by correctly executing difficult pieces of music, which had baffled her gifted brother's skill, and completing pictures he had commenced and thrown by in despair. She inherited, too, his faculty for versification, and though her effusions were always short, the music of the rhythm, the concentration of thought, the choiceness of the language, the high finish of her verses placed them far above his more ambitious but less perfect poetic flights. By and by, her parents were startled into the admission that Viola's talents were equal, if not superior, to those of her brother, 
and when her sunny, peaceful face was accidentally placed in contrast with Cynthia's fretful, clouded countenance, in spite of the rich coloring and classical symmetry of the latter, Viola's was pronounced the more beautiful, exclaimed the mother remorsefully when this conviction pressed upon her. Ah, the fairy was wiser than I. She has given my Viola all the gifts in one. She shall make the best of everything, the good spirit said, and, blind that I was, I could not see that to make the best of everything was to have no faculty underdeveloped, no power wasted, to let no opportunity be lost, to be conquered by no trial, to pursue the right path steadfastly and unweariedly, to find out the use of the very roughness of the road. That blessed endowment surpasses the boon of genius and beauty, yet gives birth to both. Assuredly, no one can know how abundant are God's blessings, come they in what shape they may until he has made the best of every one. End of Make the Best of It or Fairy Gifts